champions again next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Nip Clark. Hey, 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 Brady gets terrific. Frozen and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to a very victorious version episode of Michigan Podcast. Michigan last year got back to where it belongs, and now it stays there. Back to back. Outright Big Ten football championships for the first time since I was in high school. 1991-1992, first back-to-back titles of any kind since 2003 and 2004. Indeed, a statement has been made. Michigan is 25-2 in its last 27 games. 20-1 in its last 21 Big Ten games. 20-1, folks. 20-1. And instead of breaking down what happened on Saturday night in Indianapolis, instead I kind of want to take a look at how we got here. Two years ago at this time, I was on this show hoping that COVID would would stop the bloodletting of a season that occurred that year. That I was I was fine with euthanizing the 2020 Michigan football season. I also was very outspoken, despite the fact he remains my all-time favorite Michigan player, my first favorite. Michigan player and you never get over your first love, right? I, I thought the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan was dead. I thought the Michigan program was dead. I thought it needed a reboot. It is 
one of the most stunning turnarounds I have ever seen, not just in Michigan history, but in sports history. This program was dead at this time two years ago. Mid-December two years ago, this program was dead. Dead. Somehow, guys like J.J. McCarthy and Donovan Edwards decided to stick with the Wolverines. Well, Donovan wasn't even committed. He had to make that decision. J.J. stayed committed. Guys like Will Johnson eventually came on board. Not coincidentally, those three guys were the key players on Saturday night at the Big Ten Championship game. They were really the difference in Michigan winning or losing were those three performances, J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, and Will Johnson. It's truly amazing what Jim Harbaugh has done here. And the way he did it, he reinvented himself. Not just in the way that he handles himself as a coach, but as a leader, as a man. You just, it's different watching him interact with the media. It's different watching him interact with his players. I mean, it's, you know, it's like Scrooge got visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, and one night woke up, turned over a new leaf with a new lease on life. This is a dramatically different football coach than the one that got off that plane on December 30th, 2014. Just a dramatically different coach. The schemes and stuff look very similar, but the culture, or as he puts it, we're beyond culture to brotherhood, that is all different. And because we have watched this team dominate almost every week this year, lead the nation in margin of victory, I think we have forgotten the adversity it took to get to this point. Michigan is 13-0 for the first time ever, despite the fact the following things occurred. Now, let's pretend it's July and Big Ten media days. And you've just watched Kate McNamara and Eric Hall lead the Michigan contingent at Big Ten media days. And then right after that, I predict to you the following things are going to occur. Michigan will have to make a quarterback switch. Cade McNamara will be injured and lost for the year. Another captain, Eric All, will be injured and lost for the year. Michigan will play 10 different offensive line starting units this year. 10 different ones. 10 different offensive line combinations. Blake Corn would injure his, injure his knee, be out for the year. Michigan's leading receiver would have like 600 yards on the season. Michigan's leading quarterback, sack artist, would have about half the sacks that Aiden Hutchinson had last year. All those things happened. All of them did. If I would have told you that those things would all occur over the course of the upcoming season, coming out of Big Ten Media Days in July, you would have predicted Michigan's record is what? I'm guessing not 13-0. But here the Wolverines are, 13-0 despite all of those things. 13-0 for the first time in the prestigious history of this proud program. It's been a truly remarkable run.
It's been a truly remarkable season. And I, I still can't believe we're sitting here just two years after where we were two years ago. Because of the way college football is constructed, we have a tendency, there's so few games and yet so many storylines and so much passion, there seems to be much more emotion throughout the course of a year of fandom about narratives and storylines than actual games. As Jim Harbaugh likes to say, who's got it better than us? And the answer is nobody does. Nobody does. Enjoy it. This kid transfers, that player goes, that player's dad has something to say. There's this drama or that. Flush all of that. It's never, it's never been better than it is right now. Last year, Michigan got to 12 wins for only the third time in school history. This year, it got to 13 wins for the first time. We are in rarefied air. We have not been in in a generation almost. We have a real shot here to win the national championship. That's all that matters. That's what's the most important. NIL and all that stuff, we'll get into all that stuff and what it may mean for the future. And and I agree, this new president that everybody is touting, that's great. He's got to make some real reforms here when it comes to the transfer portal and NIL, probably in a matter of months in order for us to stay here post next year. Next year, we'll have a great team again. After that, we'll see. That's where a lot of these changes now really begin to kick in and Michigan's stubbornness adjusting to them could begin to become a problem. But man... 2024 has enough worries all on its own. I'm enjoying the hell out of 2022 and 2021. We're going to enjoy the hell out of 2023 as well. A lot of this team is coming back. It's okay. I know as Michigan fans, and it's just fans in general, there's fans of other schools watching this saying, come on, man, Michigan fans looking for the anvil to drop. Give me a break. You guys are like Ryan Day, born on third and credited with a triple. But there is something to the old John U. Bacon line. Michigan fans aren't happy unless they're unhappy. There is nothing to be unhappy about. This is what we always wanted, always dreamed of. It is now here. Enjoy it. Because we may never see anything like this again. This is one of the greatest runs in the history of this program. This is, this is beyond Bo. This is Yoast stuff. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Because remember where we were just two years ago when this seemed like the stuff of fantasies, drug-induced probably, and yet it's where we are. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Time now for the 10-minute war, of course. A little tip of the cap to the 10-year war that defined the game between Bo and Woody. Let's bring in 
our one and only, at least the only one we are able to get on, reasonable Bucknut himself, Mark Rogers, who, of course, has his own fantastic college football channel right here on YouTube as well. The Voice of College Football. You want to check it out with correspondence and channels for teams across the country. Good to see you again, Mark. I want to get um, your take on what I just pointed out uh, during the opening uh, monologue here to this week's episode. If Let's go back to Indianapolis and Big Ten football media days. And let's say coming out of that, two of the captains that Michigan has at the podium that week really don't play a meaningful snap, really, this year uh, against, you know, challenging competition. That's two captains, you're down. Uh, you have to make a quarterback switch. Blake Corum suffers a season-ending knee injury. You play 10 different offensive line combinations. Your leading sack guy has half the sacks that Aiden Hutchinson had a year ago. If, if I would have laid all that out for you in July, I'd have said, all right, Mark, here's my 10 big predictions for Michigan football in the 2022 season, and those were the things I picked and they came to fruition. You predict Michigan's record is what? Nine and three. Mm-hmm. I predicted Michigan at 10 and two. Uh, I take a pretty measured approach, as you will know, meaning that I did not jump on Jim Harbaugh in this program after two and four. I said this was still a top 10 to 15 team slash program in the nation. I also didn't see the breakthrough. I did not see this level of a breakthrough. I thought that. 2021 was simply Michigan returning to what Jim Harbaugh had established in 15 and 16 and beyond. And this being a contender for the Big Ten championship, this still being an underling to Ohio State, this still being a a, a nice story, a nice one year story. Not that they couldn't contend, not that they couldn't beat Ohio State. on, on a particular Saturday in November, but I didn't see them overtaking Ohio State. I believe they've officially, in my books, have overtaken Ohio State as the best in the preeminent program in the Big Ten. And I didn't, I didn't see that. I saw a special team. I saw a program that, again, was Jim Harbaugh's program that we saw in 15, 16, 18. Uh, and that's the, the limit I put on it at the time. 25-2 and two in their last 27 games. Back-to-back outright Big Ten championships, Mark, for the first time since I was in high school 30 years ago. Back-to-back Big Ten championships of any variety for the first time since 2003, 2004. Lead the nation in scoring margin this year. Statistically, they're actually better than they were last year in every metric. Offensively, defensively, pressure rate, sacks. They're better on everything. They're better across the board than they were at everything a year ago. Um, This isn't even like Schembechler stuff. This is like Yost stuff. I I mean, there's not been a two-year run of this level of dominance. Um, I mean, you know, Bo had, I think, 17 of Bo's 21 teams finished in the final AP top 10 rankings. But a lot of those teams didn't finish in the top five. You know, I mean, a lot of times they were seventh or eighth because there's a lot of either a loss to Ohio State at the end of the year or a Rose Bowl loss in there at the end of the year, right? Okay. He finished, I think, second a couple of times, finished uh, in the top five a handful of times, but a lot of those times he was seventh, eighth, ninth. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's a top 10 perennial program. 
But we're talking about number two in the nation at the end of the year, two years in a row. That's that's very high cotton uh, for Michigan. At uh, that, even by its winningest standards, this extra layer of elite has not been something that has happened a lot for Michigan. Um, at least not in modern times. I mean, this is like, like I said, this is this is more Yoast era stuff. And the euphoria that you and Michigan fans have to be feeling because of the contrast of the Ohio State dominance, the contrast of 2020 versus if Bo Schembechler would have completed the deal in any one of those seasons, it would have been, hey, this is great. We can look at the newspaper on January 2nd and see that we were just voted number one. But that's where Bo Schembechler lived. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you outlined that Bo Schembechler finishes better than I could, but certainly I'm as, as just as aware of where they finished each and every season and, and that they basically played themselves in with a bowl victory or many times were a number three or four team that lost a Rose Bowl, finished seventh or eighth. It was just that consistent, strong program, that consistent top 10. We always knew where Michigan was going to land, nine and two, 10 and one and be a top 10 program. But considering all the off the field uh, drama with uh, Jim and the Vikings and the coaching turnover, and um, the, again, being compared to Ohio State, it's not just them uh, finishing nine and three, 10 and two by themselves and being in some other league, but that direct comparison to the arch rival and the breakthrough and, and the euphoria, again, that you, that you and Michigan fans have to be feeling because of the stark contrast to what that feeling was 18 months ago has to be pretty, pretty stark. No doubt about it. It's incredible compared to where two years ago at this time, I was hoping COVID would euthanize the season. And I mean, I, I thought Jim Harbaugh's era had run its course. And now, I mean, he's, He's going to be a top five coach in the sport heading in all the preseason magazines next year. It's just, it is one of the most incredible turnarounds I can ever remember in any sport, frankly. Let's have a broader conversation. Both our teams, as I predicted in my college football preview back in July, both our teams are in the college football playoff. In your view, did the committee get that right? Yeah, the committee fell into an easy decision. They just truly did. Um, Alabama, I believe, had an argument. Therefore, Tennessee had an argument. But you take the injury to Hinton Hooker into consideration, which I'm not real comfortable with. But, you know, the 11 and 1 versus the 10 and 2 and the lack of marquee wins for Alabama, the only uh, three decent wins for Alabama, it was just a clear cut decision. Uh, I know that there was a lot of talk, of course, about TCU dropping out with a loss in the conference championship game, but that would have been just completely unfair. And to even drop them to a fourth spot, considering their performance and it being a uh, a tie in regulation, I, I think the committee unfortunately fell into a proper decision, unfortunately, because we like to see chaos, both of us. And, and I really wanted them to be hamstrung and just have to. Uh, have a difficult decision, but it, it all fell into play for them. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, my team benefited. So I, I can't be too uh, too down about that. However, we go into this playoff and certainly Michigan, I think we know how they're going to perform. And I'm not saying TCU doesn't have a shot. I think they've got a shot. Sure they do. Yeah. And, uh, certainly Georgia has the potential to really just dominate everyone. But we, we're so sure, and we should be sure about how Michigan's going to show up 
to this playoff, and we're not sure about Ohio State. We would like to think, as as Buckeye Nation, that they're going to you know be able to shake it off, and you know this is going to energize and galvanize this this team because they've got a second sh- uh, life. But it you know we're the fans. We feel good about it. They're they're players. They got to go out there and execute. And I don't know that this team has that kind of confidence that they can flip the switch and be a different team in the playoffs. So in 2017, Alabama had lost to Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss for the second consecutive season. Gus Malzahn. Uh, Gus yes. Malzahn, I'm sorry. Uh, and and uh, no, they lost to Ole Miss that year too, actually. And because they, no, you're right. It was Auburn at the end of the year. My bad. You're yeah. right. It was Auburn at the end of the year. And um, there was, a, I think, a fourth and 29 that Arkansas converted against Ole Miss. That's what it was. It was a fourth yeah. and 29 that Arkansas converted against Ole Miss, okay? And that led Arkansas to beating Ole Miss. And so Ole Miss otherwise would have won this SEC West outright because they beat Auburn and Auburn beat Alabama and Alabama beat Ole Miss. You're right. Now I remember how that went, okay? 2015. You're going to a play in 2015. Am I going? That that was in 2015 when that happened. Okay, because I thought it was yeah, the year that, that Ole Miss that was had the beat same them. Year, Michigan, That's Michigan right. State punt issue. Yeah. That, yeah okay. Time. All right. And so, some crazy obscure SEC game ended up changing who did and did not get into the playoff that year. Right. Okay. And I'm wondering how many Ohio State fans right now are thinking of you know maybe a slight donation to the South Carolina athletic department. Because the last few weeks, South Carolina knocked out Tennessee and knocked out Hedden Hooker and then knocked out Clemson. Without those two wins, I don't think Ohio State's in the playoff right now. I, I, think if, I think if South Carolina doesn't win both of those games, I think Tennessee actually has the case for the non-Power 5 champion with their wins. I mean, blowing LSU you know, out of their own stadium, beating Alabama. They never. I think they're in this five-hole the entire time. Actually, so I think Tennessee is in that five hole. And then the real debate for the committee is, do we put Tennessee in or one loss ACC champion Clemson, you know, with the way they played in the ACC championship game. But South Carolina took care of business and knocked both those teams out for you here in the last few weeks. And and that opened the door for Ohio State. And I go back to 2017. Alabama did not deserve to be in. Lost badly to Auburn in the Iron Bowl at the end of the year. Had no top 25 wins. Didn't have a single win against a team ranked in the final top 25 of the college football playoff rankings. Got in anyway. And I remember thinking, I said at the time, I am betting Alabama to win it all. You give a team that talented with Nick Saban, who, who contrives disrespect cards, okay? And now you actually hand them legitimate rat poison. Sure enough. That team won the national championship. Now, I think this I think this field's a little stronger than that one was that year. But I I wouldn't be shocked at all if on January 10th, Ohio State's we wake up Ohio State's national champion. Wouldn't would not shock me at all. You give it if I'm Georgia, I mean they I think they got the seating right, but if I'm Georgia, I'm like, really? I mean, there's only one team in the recruiting rankings right now that that, you know. It, it, well, there's three teams. It's us, Alabama, and Ohio State, and we got to play one of them in the first game. I mean, I, I, now I just don't know what things are like internally with your program. I, and, and it sounds like you don't either, you know. But you know, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how Ryan Ryan Day doesn't strike me as the guy. And maybe I've been listening to too much Jim Harbaugh, born on third, credited with the triple stuff. But he doesn't strike me as the chip on the shoulder coach. 
strikes me more as a mad scientist NFL kind of a coach, you know, conjuring plays in a lab and anxious to see, you know, what how he can outformation you. And hey, those guys are winning a lot of Super Bowls right now, so I'm not hating. I'm just saying I, he doesn't strike me, though, as the guy that walks into the locker room, everyone's against us. I don't know. But you know that better than me. What do you think? Well, I would love to believe your parallel between 2022 Ohio State and 17 Alabama, but that's the first comparison that I drew that just didn't compare was Nick Saban and Ryan Day until proven otherwise. I'm not saying he's not a good football coach and he hasn't taken the keys from Urban Meyer and pretty much kept it running on course, although Ohio State fans, uh, much of Buckeye Nation would uh, disagree with me. I would feel much more confident if Urban Meyer was the head coach. Uh, yeah, he is that kind of a coach. Yes. Yeah. And what he was able to deliver in yeah. the postseason, I believe 14 and three. And then uh, I don't believe there's a Tua Tunga Vailoa on the bench. Uh, to replace an NFL starting quarterback who's currently whatever he is, 10 and two uh, in, in the NFL. So man, I, I would like to believe that that's possible. And of course it is possible. They they've got a talented team, but um, Jim Knowles should be the one in the, in the lab right now, hmm. figuring things out. Well, you're going to play a team that's going to play almost the exact same style of the team you just lost to. I mean, Michigan is is built in it has you know in, in terms of DNA um, philosophy it is very very similar to Georgia so if if anything else you'll get a chance to run that back did you want to see the two teams rematch in the semifinals were you rooting for that no I I think this is the fair and just way to do it I think Ohio State needs to go through another op- opponent to show themselves worthy of playing a national championship game against Michigan. I don't think Michigan should have to line up against them immediately. I know that there was the Big Ten championship game in between, but I I think this is, you know, from a talent standpoint, as you just outlined, this is not serving Georgia necessarily, although they are a substantial favorite. Um, TCU is the team that could get knocked around in this playoff. We all know it. Ohio State could if their heads aren't in the game. Certainly that's a possibility, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is a fair seating, a just seating, and Ohio State needs to do some work and uh, slay the giant first and foremost. Final thing, NFL speculation began swirling about Jim Harbaugh about five minutes after the Big Ten Championship game Saturday night. Ian Rappaport and others tweeting out NFL teams are starting to do their due diligence. I mean, I... Right now, Jim Harbaugh still ranks in the top five all-time in win percentage among head coaches in the NFL. What, what, what kind of due diligence are we talking about? Anyway, Jimmy comes out and emphatically says, not happening. Um, I will enthusiastically be the Michigan coach next year. You believe it? You buying that? I wouldn't necessarily, and that's not a knock against him. That's just, uh, you know... Uh, you know, having experienced these you know, situations for the past 35 or 40 years and seeing them play out. However, he did make the statement that he made last year, and he did have a uh, calling out. And I think all of that means something. I, I think it means something to him what he has proven at Michigan. And I guess the deal could be done if he delivers a national championship and then he considers that this mission's accomplished, I can move on and go after that next mission. 
that would be the only way that I would see him feeling justified in doing so. But I, I think, you know, I think he's a man of integrity and character. I think these type situations are tricky for head coaches to navigate interest elsewhere and then also show allegiance and say the right things. And he's not a wordsmith to be able to navigate that always in the best way. So uh, I don't think that he leaves if they don't win the national championship. I think he, he um, you know, sticks to his, his mission here with Michigan. However, if he feels as though, hey, I, I wanted to deliver a national championship. I got it done. Then that might be his, what he determines to be his path uh, and justified leave uh, out of Michigan. Good stuff, brother. Next week we will preview the, uh, the playoff games. All right. Look forward to that. Thank you. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you a very appropriate question. Is this the greatest Michigan football season of your lifetime already? Already. 75% of you said yes. 25% of you said no. It is still second for me behind 1997 because 1997 did something no Michigan team in my lifetime has done. But I think 2022 has a real opportunity to, to at least match that. And if it does, then it moves up to number one on my list. But it's number two for now. But I don't fault anybody who ranks this season number one. It has been an incredible ride. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Comes from Daniel Hagman, who says, I am so glad that Coach Harbaugh made the conscious effort to reboot the program after the 2020 disaster and has built it into more than I could have ever imagined. Congrats, Jim. Congrats to the team, the team, the team. Amen. Well said, Daniel. Could not have said it better than my, better myself. And frankly, I probably could just open up the show with your tweet and given everybody. Sorry. Do I do that again? Okay. Frankly, I could have just opened up the show with your tweet, brother, and just given everybody a lot shorter opening monologue. Because <laughs> you pretty much summed it up, my friend. Well done. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review, whichever applies, however you watch, like here on YouTube or listen, like maybe on iTunes, Stitcher, and elsewhere. Help us to find more Michigan fans, please, just like you, especially for such a glorious time as this. Next week, our final episode of 2022 will break down the Fiesta Bowl against TCU and Michigan's chances to advance for the first time to college football's national championship game. Looking forward to the fact we even get to have that conversation. Looking forward to the fact we even get to have that conversation. That'll do it for this week as well. Make sure to follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast, please. Until then, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.